Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleepin. On today's episode, we have a special guest, my mindset coach, Adam Salcedo. Now, he's worked with me. He's with a ton of athletes at our gym. He's gone on to work with different college teams, entrepreneurs, and individuals just looking to improve their lives through the mindset tips that we have today. We talk about a bunch of different things, but including this idea of routines and downregulation, breathing, and how it relates to emotional state. Now, one thing he talked about was this idea of square breathing, for circle breathing, I hadn't heard of it used that way. So that was something that I got away for sure from this episode. Make sure to stay tuned for that. And then we talked this idea of how to activate physically, mentally, emotionally, and what is your current mindset routine, mental routine, especially going back in the office after COVID, maybe going back to see new friends that maybe you had a disagreement with and how to walk into those situations not meeting in a state of friction. That was a really cool takeaway that I took from this podcast. And I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed sitting down with Adam. Now, simple ask, very, very simple ask. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you get value from this podcast in any way, we just appreciate that. Simple rating, simple review. Also, if you want to hit us up on social, take a screenshot. Let us know what you thought about the episode today. We would really appreciate it. Now, without any further ado, Let's dive into some mindset, tools, trips, tips from Adam Salcedo, who's made a huge impact on my life, and I hope he can make the same on yours. Let's go. Do you, what do you mean you have a lot of hair? <laughs> Wait, turn around. Do you have, oh my gosh, you got a bun. Yeah, it's pretty big. Dude, how long does it go? It's a little bit past my shoulders right now. Oh my gosh. So what made you decide to go uh, grow out your hair? Well, I think it was just uh, one of those things when we started a couple years ago, uh, being kind of isolated to our own homes. And I just decided that I was going to take a little bit of a break from haircuts. And then it just uh, kind of continued. And I liked the way it was growing out. And uh, I guess the rest is history. Now I'm just kind of seeing how long I want to go. And at some point, maybe there's going to be a transition. But for right now, I'm just going to let it ride as far as I can go. Oh my gosh. All right, man. Well, I can't wait to see you in person. You got that hair down to like your middle back. But um, <laughs> Right now, I mean, you keep it up. It looks sharp. I, uh, dude, I was on your website, and I love this. It's like happy clients, projects, awards, and then cups of coffee. Nine hundred and ninety nine plus. Um, <laughs> that that was great. Um, well, Adam, dude, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, you and I have known each other for a really long time. Uh, you know, I I consider you first in class for um, mindset work, for, specifically from an athlete perspective. I also think you've done a lot of stuff for NC Fit. Uh, on the corporate wellness side and working with our different like corporate clients as well. So what I wanted to dive into today is, is pr pretty much two, two topics I think are really relevant right now. The first one being going back into office for, um, you know, people have been at home for a couple of years. What have you seen that's successful for them transitioning back in the office? That is a change mm -hmm. and change is always difficult. As you know, the second thing is you've been working with some jujitsu athletes in particular, Mason, who I work with on a regular basis. And I think that you've done incredible things for him, very similar to what you did for me. And I think that I just want to dive into both of those subjects because I think it's super relevant. So let's start off with um, the work that you're doing with companies in regards to getting people back to the office. And I think it also relates to people, even if they're not trying to go back in the office, but they're just trying to like kind of move forward from this last two years of COVID. What are some things they should be thinking about, some recommendations, um, in your opinion, that you've you've seen be successful? 
Definitely. Well, this is another transition that needs to be considered um, ahead of just entering the new experience. And so we really need to make sure we do some mental and emotional prep because any transition is going to test us. And so the more that we prepare, the more we organize our thoughts, the better we're going to meet that test. So to really make sure that the first and foremost, we need to redefine what this experience is going to look like moving forward and really identifying what that goals are for re-entering the space in terms of maybe connecting with others, making sure that you set some boundaries around how you want to make sure your workflow looks like now that you're re-entering the space in the office, but making sure that we identify multiple areas of your life that will now be changed. result of entering the office space again. So we need to make sure that all of those things are considered and thought about so that you have a game plan and ultimately you're starting to feel a little bit more confident about entering that, um, that new experience. And so, as I mentioned, redefining our why for entering the space is going to be critical, making sure that we identify what are those routines that are going to support your re-entry. So morning routines might change, evening routines might change, the way that we uh, take our lunch breaks might change. So all of these things need to be previewed just so that we feel a little bit more comfortable re-entering that space. And really, when we add that comfort level, we diminish a lot of the stress that's associated with that change. So you, you, you're talking about identifying the why to go back to the space. Let's just say the employer requires you to do so. Or let's just say you recognize you're more productive when you're in the office. So you've gotten to a point where it's like, hey, look, I got to go do this. I, I have to go. Or maybe it's, in, in, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is it similarly where maybe someone's really been isolated for a couple of years and they finally have identified, hey, I need to get out. Otherwise, I've, I'm finding my, my mindset has became very, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to identify what is the reason why you need to pursue these things is, is the first step. Is that, is that what it is? Yes, exactly. Okay. And then when you talk about like your schedule and whatnot, what types of things should be, people be considering as they're kind of getting back out in the society, going back to work, um, understanding what's in their control and what are some steps they could take to kind of make it more comfortable? Because I like what you're saying, but what are some specifics there? Definitely. Well, one of the things we idea is, is definitely the morning routines and the evening routines to really support that activation and that down regulation at the end of the day. I know these are topics that we've discussed in the past, but it's so critical to revisit this anytime that we do a transition in our life. So to make sure that first and foremost, this experience is going to tax us uh, energy wise, mentally, emotionally. So we need to make sure that we're supporting our recovery. And so from day to day, we don't know what direction we're going to get pulled in, what's going to really tax us in terms of the, the new experiences back in the office. Even just getting back into having more and more conversations with people, that's going to tax us. And so we have to recognize that we need to give ourselves a mental and emotional break at the end of our day, time to downregulate and really promote that rest and recovery so that we can come back even stronger the next day. And so we, we know that there's going to be natural fatigue that sets in when we return back to the office. So it's really critical to make sure that we're just getting ahead of that, being very proactive with what time we're trying to make sure we go to bed, and then really making sure, too, that we give ourselves plenty of time in the morning to wake up and activate our mind. For so many of my clients, they can just roll out of bed and pretty much be right in their office. And so there's not really a long transition time for them to mentally prepare. And so for us, it's figuring out, okay, well, what are the things that we can reintroduce in the morning that can help us kind of wake in the mind, get ourselves activated, feeling ready, and even ultimately motivated to get into the workspace. And so those are things that take time, 
And we need to make sure we give ourselves that space. We're not rushing in the morning. We're not just going straight from our bed um, to the commute because ultimately we're now just creating a little bit of extra stress energy that we're carrying with us into the workday. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Uh, for my wife, she, she predominantly helps the kids get ready for school in the morning. And, um, and what she found is that she was being like reactive and, and she would wake up like right at the last minute to get the kids ready. And it always felt like everything was like, you know, go, 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 go. All of a sudden, um, you know, she started waking up, you know, 30 minutes earlier, getting the kids up a little bit earlier. And you could kind of start the day with a little bit more of like calm and yes. collected. And, you know, now, I mean, Ava and I were in the garage working out and doing the cold plunge every morning. But, <laughs> but I, I wanted to ask in regards to waking up earlier, going to bed earlier, I, I think that makes sense in regards to like adding this new commute back in. Um, from a down regulation perspective, what types of things are you seeing be successful for your clients? I mean, are we talking about meditation? Are we talking about anything in particular that stands out? And then also on that same note, have you given any recommendations on the actual commute? Because what I find is that although you're right, you can wake up and just literally get back on your computer. There's something that's beautiful about that. At the same time, when I am not at the house and I actually go to our gyms, something about that commute does kind of make it um, almost like I'm able to like set these boundaries. Like, hey, I'm leaving my house and I'm going to work. And on that commute, I'm able to put myself in a different mindset. So what are your recommendations for the downregulation? And also, have you seen anything successful in regards to commute that people can be doing to prepare themselves? Yes, I think actually there's uh, one exercise that helps with both of those experiences. And really, you know, in terms of the downregulation, we need to make sure that we're quieting the thinking mind. So we need to do some sort of reflection, some sort of thinking at the end of our day to organize our thoughts around just what we felt like went well that day, things that we feel like we still need to be resolved, and ultimately kind of really reassuring ourselves that we are doing a great job about just meeting the responsibilities and tasks each day so that we can just continue to build confidence and reassurance that we're moving in the right direction. And so at the end of our day, really dedicating a space, whether it's right before we go to bed, maybe laying in bed, maybe it's actually before we get into the bed, you're writing down a couple things in a journal, but making sure that we spend a few moments just starting to organize our thoughts and quieting the thinking mind by putting those thoughts to rest. We find, kind of close the loop with some of those thoughts at the end of our day so that they're not open-ended and just playing in the back of our mind as we're trying to go to sleep. That's a good recommendation. So that's the recommendation really is, is, is reflecting on that day. And then would you say that on the commute itself, could that be a time where you incorporate some mess up or is it too early? I mean, I guess going into work for the first day, right? You wake up 30 minutes early, you get in the car, you're on your way to work. What are some kind of like, um, you know, is it music? Is it podcast? Is it self-reflection? What are, what have you found kind of as a good way to kind of like jumpstart the day? Definitely. Well, I think that well, there's always, <laughs> yeah, I think all of those things really do assist that. But I think that there's a, a moment in the morning where we do need to dedicate a little bit of quiet time. So whether it's you're turning everything off in the car for that last five minutes before you enter the parking lot, but making sure that we give ourselves a few moments of quiet time so that we can actually allow the mind to come to the forefront. We're not thinking about anything else. We're not distracted by anything else, but we're allowing ourselves to really have that moment of clarity. So I would say that but in the morning, though, it is a little bit of reflection on the day past, but also it's really about promoting what you're focusing on in the day ahead. And so making sure that we're thinking about what we want to accomplish. Those accomplishments are going to make you feel at the end of the day so that we can build up that excitement and that motivation towards that achievement. 
So we want to make sure that we're building up ourselves, really kind of coaching ourselves up in the morning to prepare ourselves for the unknown that's going to unfold in the day. So I think that's there's a little bit of reflection there in terms of the past, but really it's about using that past to really bolster the future, yeah. right? Using those experiences and saying, hey, you know what? You've been in a hard day like this before. You've had back-to-back-to-back meetings before. It's not going to be easy, but you know how to get through this. And really making sure that we're using that positive self-talk to really direct our focus and make sure that we feel comfortable and confident entering the workday. Mm. So for those people who are going back into the office, I think this is a great topic of conversation, right? You know, building that kind of earned confidence on your way to the office, like I've done this before. And frankly, for a lot of us, we've done worse, meaning getting through COVID was a very difficult time for a lot of people. And it came with a lot of adversity, as we all know. And so kind of leaning on that as you're heading into the day, I think is a great topic. And I think obviously finding that time to reflect on how your day went at night is beautiful. So thank you for those recommendations. In regards to during the day, right? You're at the office and, you know, we're, we're kind of ping, p- pinning this to, to the office because I do think it's relevant to whether you're a coach at a gym or whether you're, you know, in the actual, like, you know, I don't know, Google office. There are people that now are having in-person meetings. Maybe they aren't as comfortable with this interaction because they haven't had it like that in forever. Is there anything during the day that you've seen be more successful in terms of like, going from a communication the way we are right now to actually shaking somebody's hand in person that you think could help them kind of level up a little bit? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, I think we need to understand the power of our own um, relaxation skills and how we can calm ourselves ahead of maybe a stressful experience or uh, maybe even a fearful experience. And so what we need to make sure we understand is that we have control of our breath and our breathing really relates to our emotional state. So if we're able to control our breathing, relax our breathing, slow it down, create these deep breaths, we're ultimately providing ourselves with that space to be able to now reflect, but also physically we're down-regulating our system. We're starting to really help ourselves lower those nerves and prepare ourselves to feel that much more comfortable entering that that, uh, maybe challenging experience. So the breath is really important for us to be able to know that we own that because when we notice that our breath is irregular, so we're, we're feeling like it's shallow, we're breathing really quickly, those are signs that we're stressed out. Those are signs that we're not balanced emotionally. And so that can be a really great tool for us to start to build our awareness around, is just noticing how your breathing pattern is throughout the workday. And if you're noticing that it's starting to be irregular, or you're noticing that you're not feeling comfortable in that moment, those are sensations that are revealing that something's off. And, and so, so would the recommendation be just to kind of take some time aside, find some nice deep nasal breathing? I mean, is that, and then yes. boom, just brings the body back down to like this level state. Exactly. So that we can then access our higher thinking. When we're in this stress state, we are actually in a very, um, I guess, discombobulated state. And so we're not thinking clearly. And so we're not going to be able to access our best decision making in that moment. So for us to be able just to lower that level of anxiousness so that we can start to access that clarity of thought. Mm. So critical. So if we want to take that next step forward in a direction that's going to serve us, we need to make sure that we're at our best before we take that next step. So by taking those deep breaths, we're just assuring ourselves that we're now at least meeting ourselves wherever we are and trying to balance ourselves out. I like that. And and from a breathwork perspective, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of data, a lot of science on this. I mean, 
one thing that I found super successful for me, at least, is uh, incorporating the cold. The cold has been really helpful for me because your breath gets immediately, you start freaking out and you have to learn to kind of downregulate it. Definitely. Um, but for those people who are at work and they're maybe finding themselves getting a little bit anxious, a little bit overwhelmed, which is completely normal, especially mm -hmm. given the situation, is there any specific breath work or, or is it just being aware of your breath alone is the key? I think for people who don't have a, a real foundation behind this, it's yeah. just a matter of just keeping it simple by taking some deep breaths in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth and really not having some sort of target around that quite yet, but making sure we're just getting used to just accessing our breath in that moment. And then right. as we start to get comfortable and make this more of an automatic response, I think that's the point where we can get a little bit deeper, a little bit more complex with the breathing count and the pattern so that we can really make sure that we're even activating our deep even more. So we can be a little bit more uh, conscious about that once we're in that state of uh, conditioning where we practice the skill of just responding with our breath then we can start to level up and really start to incorporate some other breathing patterns. There's box breathing, which is another uh, option. What's There's box circle breathing? breathing. Box breathing is making basically having it's the same breath in, then we have the same breath, uh, we hold the breath for the same second, then we breathe down and then we bring it, bring it across. So basically it's like if we had two seconds up, two seconds hold, two seconds hold, or sorry, two seconds up, two seconds hold, two seconds down, two seconds hold, two seconds up, and then it goes around and again. Huh. Box breathing. I had never heard that reference before. And then how would that change for, for circle breathing? What would be the difference there? Circle breathing is basically we're holding the in and or we're actually we're exhaling and inhaling a little bit longer. And the, the hold is much shorter. Got it. That, that would be like so yeah, there right, would be a circle versus square. I get what you're saying, right? It's in, hold, down, uh, out, hold, in. Yep, 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 yep. That makes sense. Got it. And then the circle, the circle would be something like four seconds in, one second hold, four seconds out, one second hold. Right? So it's a four by one by four by one versus it's a very even breath when you're using the box breathing. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, yeah. So we're just trying to hold the breath and activate the breath and really making sure that we're getting that deliverance of fresh oxygen deep within ourselves. So we're going to have to build up to that. Just like any other physical exercise, it takes conditioning. So for us, just the main thing is just getting that those reps in, getting that practice in throughout the day and not having uh, too much um, around kind of what is right versus what's wrong in this moment, but really just testing it, seeing how your body activates because every person is going to be a little bit different in terms of how that breath impacts their system. So we need to make sure that we customize this through trial and error. So I, I not to shift gears too much, but you know, something that's on my mind is that people are coming out of two years of, of, of a different type of living where, where politics came into play for sure. Families have been distraught because some people felt one way from some people felt another way. And I feel like there's been some, um, uh, what's the word, not turmoil, but there's been some, uh, tension, right. That, that has occurred in, in particular, let's talk about like family and close friends. Now you're going back to the office. You have people with different and it's, it's, it's sad that this became this way, but it did become a little bit politicized and people had different views on COVID, different views on masking, you name it, right? What would be the recommendation when maybe people saw some stuff online that maybe they disagreed with with another coworker or a family member or a friend? 
we need to kind of move forward from it. And I, and I feel bad because I think some relationships have probably been just literally just cut off and they will never be what they were. But for those people who maybe they had a great relationship with someone, it's, it's became a little bit toxic over the last couple of years, but they, but there's a desire to kind of move forward together. What would be some recommendations there? I don't know if I'm articulating this message correctly, but I think there's a lot of people that fall into that category. Definitely. And, and you're right. I think that we were going through a very sensitive time for many people. And so we were all on guard. And so the littlest thing could set us off in one direction or the other, just because everyone was in this unknown state. We were all yeah. kind of just in that limbo, right? We're just kind of floating. We weren't solid on our, our two feet on the ground. So of course, there was going to be times where people are going to meet each other with friction just because we are naturally in that um, discomfort state. And so for us to recognize though, as we're moving out of this situation, as we're trying to move past this situation, we are the only person who can really control that relationship moving forward. And so if this is something that does um, strongly motivate you to want to rebuild this relationship, we need to take those first steps. And the most important thing is that Obviously, there's a lot of information that's still being revealed. No one has all the information. And so we need to find a way where we can start to kind of balance our own perspective on the situation by just opening in that dialogue again. I want to hear why you think the way that you think. And maybe we can just open that dialogue versus feeling like at this point, we are on completely two different hills. And I think that's just a really great way to show that you're not... Um, you're not inflexible in those moments and that you have control over trying to put that olive branch back out there. Yes. And so I think that's really important. We don't know how the other person is going to respond. We can't control that ever. And if they ever want to even rebuild that, that's something that we're going to have to discover through that dialogue. But if we are hesitant, we'll never know. And that's something that at this point could eat away at us and could be really something that could be a distractor in the background if these are unresolved relationships. So we do want to make sure that at some level we create some resolution, even if it's saying, you know what, let's agree to disagree. At the right. end of the day, we are two different people. We come from two different walks of life and we see things differently and that's okay. We don't have to see everything the same. And I think that's something we have to come to a level of acceptance around is that I don't think we'll ever, everyone will ever think the same way. Yeah. And even if it's your best friend, I'm sure there's going to be things that you and your best friend don't see eye to eye with. Yeah. And so I think what you said is meeting others with friction. I think you're right. That's, that's what it was for a while. But if this, what I'm hearing from you is like, if there's something like internally in your gut that's saying, Hey, you got to kind of find some resolution here. This is eating at you a little bit. The, the first step is to go and just talk to that person and just, it, it just, I, I think more times than not, you know, what's so funny, man, is like, you could have someone with polar opposite, like online, they get polar opposite opinions. But when you actually sit down with somebody, chances are more times than not, you agree on more things than you don't. And so I like what you're saying, man. I think there's a lot of people that are heading back to the workspace, maybe saw something from a coworker that maybe they did disagree with, or maybe there's a family member they disagreed with. But, you know, if that's something that's like eating up at that person, they have to go address it. It's kind of like the theory, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, the thing is though, it's still meeting yourself where you are. And so we have to understand there's a lot of change with this transition. So, you know, picking your battles where you see fit. And so making sure that we're not just trying to um, rush ahead and try to eliminate all of these unresolved things in the back of our mind, but really making sure that we're taking 
time to time, which are resolving so that we're not overloading ourselves through this transition. Hmm. And so, you know, as the transition starts to come and overloading yourself, so the, what is the expectation then from, from like, over, so if you try and like approach too much too quick, is that what you're saying? Like maybe, maybe take it one step at a time and one relationship at a time. Is that kind of the theory? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so switching gears a little bit from the office to more athletic perspective, you know, um, Mason Fowler is a top level jiu-jitsu athlete and he's performing at the highest level in the sport. He's just won the Brazilian nationals. He qualified for ADCCs. I mean, this guy is, he's, he's sharp. He's been working with you for a while now. I introduced you both and he has nothing but amazing things to say about you. And so I just thought from a high level perspective, what are some things when you're looking at with any athlete, where do you start? What's like the, the lowest hanging fruit to get best bang for your buck for these guys to start performing better? Because I imagine it's a similar thing that you would do for an executive or, or anybody who wants to try and perform better. So true. You're right. I think that we have to recognize that a high performer is a high performer regardless of the field. And so there's similar skill sets and strategies that we can employ to be able to really be at your top game consistently. And so the real place where I'm, when I'm assessing, uh, I look at their lifestyle and making sure that it's going to be in alignment with their goals and ultimately with the mindset that they're trying to create. And so if we notice that there are certain habits or certain routines that right now are counterproductive or even just not serving the daily needs of the athlete, we need to make, bring that to awareness and really start to create some action items around changing that and making sure that this is something that feels like it's coming from the athlete so that they're understanding that, okay, I can understand that this is an area that might be a blind spot of mine. And if I can start to at least address it and build awareness, I will start to recognize some sort of change. And that's really what we need to see is that instant change to happen, to really build in that credibility. And that's why I think lifestyle is such a great place because change can enact really quickly. And so, so yeah, uh, let's talk about that because you're saying you want to build credibility and see results pretty quickly. So what's an example of that? Because I think you're right. I mean, I know you're right, right? It's like the gym when people start feeling better, they start, you know, their pants are fitting a little bit better. They're, they're in, they're hooked. Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with mindset, right? They start seeing little things like, oh shit, I hadn't thought of it that way. Right. So what's some examples from a lifestyle perspective and how do you get these like major wins super quickly? Is that you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So I think first we just, like we talked about earlier with sleep, I think that's critical and just really starting to organize what are your sleep patterns looking like to optimize your sleep, your rest, your recovery, and making sure that that's something that is 100% within your control. And so to really start to regulate your sleep is ultimately going to start to balance out your hormones and really going to allow us to be that much more emotionally balanced in the moment. And so that's going to be something that's really important for us to identify is what is that bedtime that we want to be shooting for our target and making sure that we have now certain habits to really lead up to that strong sleep performance that we're looking for. And so making sure that just like we talked about having a specific down regulation routine that includes some sort of body care. So making sure that we're doing either some light stretching, some yoga, maybe some breathing exercises, but something there to really downregulate the body, as we talked about earlier. As we talked about earlier as well, that the uh, reflection exercise as well is important to make sure that we're quieting the thinking mind. So making sure that we're really doing things that are going to support a good night rest. 
because we know that every single day you're taxing your body at the highest level. And the real time for recovery is when we sleep. And so we need to make sure that we're maximizing your sleep quality so that the next day you can train just as hard and stay just as mentally tough. Right. So those are things that are critical to your performance right off the bat. And we're going to notice that we're going to see maybe that level of energy or attentiveness when you go to train and your body's going to feel a little less sore. You know, those are real strong indications that we're maximizing our sleep quality from day to day. Yeah, so, I know you and I have talked about this before, like taking your phone, putting it outside the room, utilizing different techniques like that. And I think that they've all been helpful, but you start with sleep. So when you think about lifestyle, sleep, I, the reason why I like this so much is like, it's so much in your control. Like yes. it really is. It, it's like, uh, I mean, just as much, I mean, a lot of other stuff are in, in your control too, but sleep is within your control. What would be the what would be the next step? Like if you said, okay, sleep is the number one that's in my control. What's, what's the number two that you then start approaching? Because nutrition starts to become a little bit more challenging. There's, there's some other ones that are a little bit tough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I look for next is um, kind of stimulants. And with the stimulants, it's not just looking at something like coffee or caffeine, but it's also looking at screen time. These are things that keep us stimulated. These are mm. things that keep our mind activated. And so we have to make sure that we're creating a balance with the stimulants that we have in our day, maybe even front loading those st stimulants in earlier in the day so that we give ourselves plenty of time to be able to um, uh, really uh, respond to all of those stimulants throughout the day and, and downregulate. So it's really important for us to recognize what those habits are right now so that we can identify if there's an opportunity to maybe maybe strike a stronger balance. Mm. So when you talk about stimulants, I mean, stimulants, those are things like, I mean, I imagine falls in the categories like drugs, alcohol, but you're also then adding in there like, like, uh, these, this social media component, right? Because what it drives like your anxiety up. Is that what it is? It's like, it, it doesn't allow you to relax. Is that, is that the factor? Well, it, it does first of all, impact our overall emotions just mm. through the fact that we don't have any control what's on the other side of the screen. Something yeah. could be beautiful. Something could be ugly. Something could be amazing. Something could be scary. And uh. so, you know, there's just a lot of things that can just twirl your emotions around and around. And so we don't have as much control of what we're actually viewing. And so this something that's really important for us to recognize is that we need to enter that space when you're at your best so that we are at least at an emotional balance so that when, if we do get pulled in these different directions, we can still be able to be anchored to our best. But if we're already in a distraught place, we're disappointed about something, we're frustrated, we're sad about something, and then we enter that space, we can get drug even further down that, that negative hole. So we need to make sure that these are just things that we're building awareness around so that we're not mindlessly focusing on our devices or our social media, but we're in a mindful state. We understand why we're, we're accessing it, what the purpose is, even if it's just entertainment, but we need to know why we're on this. Otherwise it builds in this mindlessness and that mindlessness can be something that can then carry over into other areas of our life. And if anything, I'm trying to promote mindfulness with my clients and helping them build that awareness from moment to moment of how they're thinking and feeling. And this is actually kind of counterproductive in a sense. 
Yeah, that's that's really that's sharp. I I love that concept, right? You start with sleep, and then you go into this idea of social media and putting yourself in the right mindset when you enter it. Because you're right, you don't know what's going to come on the other side of that. You know, like you know, you might get a DM asking the for a picture of your feet, or you might get a social post of some competitor that looks like they're doing really well, and it might trigger you and say, "Oh, I'm not doing enough." You never know what's going to come across that table, right? Um, so w- where do you go from there? So those are lifestyle components. Mm-hmm. That being great examples, by the way, those two. Um, what would be like another layer that you've now started to kind of see success with, with your clients? So the next thing is, is really starting to identify their mindset ahead of whatever their experience is. So whether we're talking about training or competition, we want to be able to identify what that uh, current mental practices or what they're thinking about ahead of those experiences so that we can identify what things are helping their performance versus which thoughts or even actions could be hindering their best performance. And so really looking at that preparation to really lead to the best performance possible. So we're going to really identify all the aspects, not just even on the day of, but the night before and the week of, even even in their training camp as well. What are the things that they're doing to really promote their uh, continued growth, both physically and mentally each day? And so that's really critical to make sure that we have a, a clear understanding of our preparation so that once again, it builds that earned confidence that we talked about earlier that we know, okay, I've checked all those boxes off. That means I'm ready for competition. or I'm ready to train today. Mm. You know, uh, just real quickly on that earned confidence thing. I mean, th- you really were the one that really sparked this concept in my mind. And I, I just, I'm forever grateful for it because, you know, the, the good way to think about it is there's perceived confidence and there's earned confidence. And earned confidence comes from obviously earning it a day to day. You're in there. You know, you have this like, foundation that you've created that makes you feel ready for whatever you're doing. Whereas mm-hmm. perceived is like, eh, you know, slapping yourself in the face, telling yourself you're going to go, you know, knock out Floyd Mayweather, but the likelihood is almost zero because you haven't earned the confidence over decades like he has. And I was so grateful for that information when you shared it with me, because it really made an impact on my competitive career. And after that, so many other things, when it comes to athletes preparing for sport training, etc. There's like right before the activity and maybe leading up to it, anything that comes to mind, is it, is it creating a mantra? Is it, is it, you know, r- repeating the same warm up? anything that you've now seen after you've been doing this for so many years? I mean, you and I connected over a decade ago, I'd say at this point, mm-hmm. anything that you've seen over a decade later as an individual, and then obviously there's team sports that you can get into that mm-hmm. you've seen like kind of really make a big impact. Yes, I agree. I think that having a consistent routine is key because that really helps our mind and our body know that it's activated for that performance. So we're really associating that preparation with a high level performance. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that the more consistent, it's just almost like in that opportunity. So that's going to be first is just making sure that we have that understanding, but really what I try to help my clients is understand that we need to activate ourselves mentally, emotionally, and physically. So with the, let's just start with the physical, because I think that's just really uh, common for most people. That's like the easiest that's, one to wrap your head around, right? Exactly. So that's, you know, the, your warm up, making sure you have a specific, you know, way that you stretch yourself, you know, certain ways where you're really physically getting yourself prepared. Even just the act of putting on your gi, let's say, you know, those are activation. These are meaning that you're getting ready for that performance ahead. So that's really important. And then in terms of the mental uh, activation, we need to once again reassociate ourselves with our big picture why. 
Why are we out there? Why am I about to put myself into a position where it's going to be uncomfortable, where I'm going to be maybe even sore, or there's going to be some sort of chance for even an injury in these experiences? You really make sure that you understand clearly why you're putting yourself out there. Why are you willing to put yourself into that situation where you might shed some blood, sweat, and tears? You know, those are important ways to just keep ourselves in alignment with your big picture. And then emotionally, understanding how this impacts the way that you feel. So if you are a high performer and you're living out your dream, that makes me feel great about myself. That makes me feel confident. That makes me feel like I'm moving in the right direction to be able to achieve what I want to achieve in my life. And that should be a good feeling. That should be something that excites us and gets us really pumped to go into that experience. Not many people get to do what they love every single day. And so for us to make sure that we associate ourselves with that love, that enjoyment for the sport, because there's going to be days where we are grinding and it doesn't feel fun, but it is, it's supposed to be because you're choosing to do this. I love that, man. So how to activate yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally is what you just went over. Um, I wrote that down. Uh, physically, I think a lot of people get it, but I, I, I didn't understand the difference between mentally and emotionally. Like they seem like the same thing, but you just broke it down a little bit differently. Um, how would you summarize the two different mindsets there between mentally and emotionally? Yeah. So the, the thinking mind needs reason. It needs something concrete. So we need to make sure that we fill it with the evidence necessary to be able to appease our thoughts. Our emotions are a little bit different. Our emotions based on feeling. And so this is something that's just more of a sensation versus something we can really define or wrap our head around. So this is something that we're trying to create or maybe instill within ourselves, this passion, this fire, this love for the sport, this love of the grind. And I feel like that's something that Mason and I really talked about in terms of a mantra, really defining a way for him to identify that this is what he signed up for. This is what I choose to do every day. No, it's not going to always be fun. No, it's not going to always be easy. But who better than me? Who else but me? Right? Mm -hmm. And really making sure that you identify that this is for you because you've chosen it for yourself. Right. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. This stuff gets me fired up because I've seen personally how it's impacted my life. And I've also seen how it's impacted others. And I think that it's just these little mindset switches that can really mm -hmm. like the stuff we're talking about. So, you know, we talk about, you know, starting with the lifestyle, getting this, this idea of the stimulants, which I think was, was brilliant. Um, then we talk about the, you know, activate, activating these different areas. What would be like some other key characteristics that you've seen kind of layer in all on top of these, you know? Definitely. Well, I think we also need to recognize some of the, in the moment resetting, so we know that there's going to be challenges that arise, whether it's in a training session or even in a competition. Maybe we have a really tough uh, bout that we just went through. We need to make sure that we know how to reset ourselves. And so this is something that's going to be a little bit different for every single athlete. But we need to find our way to really um, get ourselves back to that emotional and mental balance ahead of that next performance or ahead of that next drill. Mm -hmm. So this is something to really train while we are in that uh, maybe training environment so that we can really be able to have a stronger connection to be able to access it when we're in that competition setting. Got so it. making sure that every time that we're in a, maybe in between a drill, that we're doing something to be able to relax and calm our body and mind. So maybe it is taking those deep breaths. Maybe it's reassociating ourselves before we go into that next drill of our why or our love of the sport. But this is the same kind of activation is kind of a smaller kind of replica in the moment. And so we need to be able to know how to 
change the way that we're thinking, change the way that we're feeling, and really making sure that we have kind of a fresh slate in front of us ahead of that next performance. So it's really a matter of resetting ourselves, putting whatever just happened aside so that we could open ourselves up to that next experience. Yeah. And, 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 and building that through training is so critical. You know, that's one of the things that you really helped me with was this idea of like through training, you have these micro adversities, which is one of my favorite things about working out and why I have my kids do it because they hit these micro adversity moments where they could then overcome it. But like you said, you need to be able to reset in that moment, go from a maybe negative mindset to a positive mindset and examples, like you said, are breath work or, or can you then reflect back to your mantra? Is that kind of what it is Exactly. Like in exactly. that moment, right? Mm -hmm. Come Got back it. to something that's going to ultimately anchor you back into what you already know. And that's, what's so beautiful about a mantra is that it's so simple yet it has so much power behind it. And the more we use it, the more we build the power behind it. So we really want to understand that this is now this one statement, like, you know, push through adversity, whatever that might be. Push through adversity means so much more than just push through adversity. It means all those other experiences around those times I recognized adversity. It means what I'm trying to achieve this big goal in front of me. So I'm pushing through this adversity in this moment to achieve that big goal. Right. I don't have to say all that. It's packed in that small statement. Right. So the more that I build this association behind that statement, it carries so much weight and it's really going to be a powerful tool. The more we more we use it. Yeah. I really loved for myself. It was, you know, that idea of like moving fast and breathing slow. I just, yes. I just love that because it would remind me like to move with purpose, but to stay calm. And you're right. There's so much more to unpack in that than just like move fast, breathe slow. There was so much more than that. Um, so in the moment resetting, so we're talking about in the moment, we're talking about lifestyle. Now, as you've worked with different types of groups, you know, you started off, I, well, I shouldn't say you started off, but you've worked with soccer groups. You've worked with now jujitsu guys, uh, you know, different corporate groups in, in particular, you've worked with quite a few CrossFitters for sure. Um, is there like just basically like common threads across everybody? Or have you seen in different sports, there's different something? I'm just out of curiosity. No, I, I definitely see that there's different presenting needs from sport to sport and even gender to gender. But I would say there's probably more similarities than there are differences. And it's just pretty interesting to see that when I enter a new sport or new performance experience, you know, I go in there trying to be a sponge where I obviously know kind of the direction I want to take my clients in terms of performance enhancement and mindset development. But I want to make sure that I am now catering to kind of the specific needs of that culture. And so to be able to really understand what the athlete's experience is, is key. And so I try to go in without my bias, without any type of preconception, so that I can really be able to hear the athlete for, for what they are experiencing and really be able to now um, you know, cater specifically to those, those needs. And so what I've noticed though, in terms of similarities is just that, you know, in terms of anxiousness and nervousness, that is going to be a part of every experience. And I think that we just have to be accepting of that. It's our natural response to something that's unknown or a challenge that's in front of us is that we're going to have this kind of immediate fight or flight experience. And so for us to realize that that's a human experience, that there's nothing wrong with you for having a fight or flight experience in certain moments in your life, that helps us to be able to be more um, okay with it in the moment. And so what we need to recognize is that even if we experience that fight or flight, what truly makes us human is our ability to respond to that reaction. 
And so really teaching my clients how to become resilient in those moments of challenge, recognizing how to tap into your mindfulness so that you're much more aware of the next steps that are supposed to be taken. Mm -hmm. So these are things that I know across the board are going to assist any type of performer in being able to stay level-headed, stay at your best, even though nervousness and anxiousness might be a part of that, that performance. Yeah. You know, I, I find it interesting. Uh, Ava's on a volleyball team and one of her takeaways uh, yesterday she played was that she thought it was just her, you know, nervous, mm. anxious. And she's like, dad, everybody is nervous and anxious or nervous before they go on. I was like, yeah, you're alive. You know, you're doing something you care about. Like it's going to be a piece of it. But it was interesting for her to start correlating like, hey, everybody feels this way. It's a natural response. Yes. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you a question because in CrossFit, we worked things, but it was me against the barbell. It was me against uh, kind of a known object for lack of a better term. Now, granted, there was unknown. You'd go into an event, you wouldn't know what to expect, but the 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 deliverable was you against a thing. Whereas in jujitsu or combat sports, it's you against a dynamic opponent. Yes. Is, is that like, um, it just is what it is? Or is there a... a a way that you approach it a little bit differently because you cannot control what your opponent does, but you can control how many reps you lift on a barbell, you know? So it's, it's a little mm -hmm. different, right? Definitely. And I think that's that level of competition changes, right? You're, instead of competing against yourself, you're competing against another individual. And so to really understand that we talked about this earlier, but what's in your control versus what's out of your control in those moments is going to be critical because the reality is that even if you train at your best at a high level, this other person could catch you in a, at the, in a wrong position and that's it. And you could have been spending all your time, you know, feeling like you were just completely ready and, and confident, but there's still, you know, a human error that can occur. And so to realize that how we can create that acceptance around what's in your control, what's out of your control, how we look at these experiences truly as learning opportunities, regardless of the results, because we're on that journey for your best performance. And we're not quite there yet. So mm. these are all things that we really need to make sure are in consideration is finding that way of heading into these performances, knowing what are your limitations and being okay with that. Because that acceptance allows us to downgrade a little bit of that anxiousness that comes along with, okay, thinking about the other competitor. What has he done? What kind of, what's our, what are, um, you know, what's his record? What are all these, who's he beaten? All these things. Yes, they're important to preview but they're not something that we need to be hyper-focused on. Mm -hmm. And so to make sure that we're just balancing out your emotions and your thoughts ahead of that performance allows us to conserve our energy and really able to now maximize your potential in that moment. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all part of like this journey. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a, a gentleman yesterday who's, who's competing professionally in jujitsu. And he says, look, man, I'm trying to find something. I can, I, I'm trying to do this for the next 10 years of my life. And when you look at it through that lens, it is an entire journey and each event, each competition kind of builds up and each training, uh, each training session builds up. Right. And yeah, I, I, dude, I always appreciate talking to you, man. I, I just always feel like I get a lot out of it. Just thinking through just how important the mind is, you know, like, I mean, and, and, and I've seen it carry over into real life and I know you have too. I mean, I'm sure you get stories from your clients all the time who say, hey, you know, I came to you for sport, but it actually paid off in a bigger way, you know? Um, Definitely. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the whole thing is that these are skills that are performance skills, but obviously these are life skills as well. And so if we want to be a high performer in life, 
We just want to have a toolbox that we can access. And it's, it's one thing to have those tools, but it's another thing to actually have them sharp. And yeah. so we need to be practicing these things. We need to be using them on a regular basis, even when maybe the going's not as tough. Uh oh, all right, you broke up there a little bit, but I get, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. Um, dude, it's because you moved out to Austin. The internet out there isn't as good as out here in California. That's what it is. I guess so. <laughs> dude, but, no, but just, but just to, you know, just to reiterate that point though, it's just that what we're really trying to do is just make sure that we're accessing your highest self by making sure that we're, you know, becoming more aware of what your daily needs are. And the more yeah. that we practice these daily needs, the more that we're going to have these ready to use when the going really gets tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes. hundred percent. And so like moving forward, you know, what, what types of things are you looking to pursue that have helped your clients? So obviously you work on mindset, but are you utilizing any tools outside of, I mean, I know we, we spoke about a lot of them. I mean like actual physical tools. Like, are you utilizing anything that have you found any benefit to hot, cold therapy to, or do you not really play in those arenas? You really stay focused on the actual like mindset tools. Yeah. I mean, I stay pretty much within my lane of kind of the mindset, emotional coping skills, but you know, I'm definitely a huge proponent of exploring some of these other physical um, opportunities for mental toughness training. And especially with the, the cold therapy, cold plunging, yeah, I agree that that's an amazing way to be able to train yourself in a very contained space. Yeah. And so to be able to know that there's at least a safety net behind, you know, that experience, you know, that's really important for being able to kind of put yourself out on that limb and try something new. So I, I agree. And then the other big one is I know we haven't touched on a little bit, but meditation is something that I do touch on a lot with my clients. And I understand this is more of mental, but it also is a physical practice as well. It's and hard. It is. And it's, I can't it's, say that I've actually ever been able to do it, to be honest. If, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think I've ever, <laughs> ever, uh, I don't think I've ever done it. I, I can't be focused enough. It's tough. It is tough. And that's the whole thing is conditioning our focus right? And really building in that attentiveness to what we're trying to uh, focus on in that moment. And that's a skill set in its own right. And so we do need to make sure that we give ourselves these moments, whether it's daily or weekly, to really just dive in to that immersed space within, our, within ourselves. How, how do you start meditating? What will be like a, when you work with your clients? Like, What's like the first step? You go for I, a minute? Yep. One minute. That's it. Kind of keep it very simple. So I have them sit in a quiet space, distraction-free zone, make sure that no one else is going to bother them, and then making sure that they put an uh, alarm on their phone for one minute so that they don't have to think about it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to buzz when they're ready to go. And the main thing is just closing your eyes, taking some breaths, and just focusing on kind of that emptiness. And obviously, thoughts are going to pop into your mind, but then coming back to focusing on the breath or even focusing on the breath count you can just really immerse yourself just from not thinking about anything going on in the day, but just kind of focusing on what's going on inward. And that practice alone is starting to get us comfortable with just being inside of our own self without any other distraction. So we need to start really small because you're right. It can be very discouraging early on to not get that quote unquote results that maybe we think we should be feeling. And I think that's also a big kind of challenge to this is that preconception of what meditation should be or what it should feel like. And I don't think there really is a one size fits all. 
And yeah, no, I, I think about it like like there's like a, a I don't know, someone hits like a, a, a I don't know, I just a think gong. about some, a gong and like <laughs> you're like sitting on the floor with like in a position that I can't even physically get into and exactly. just finding like your inner chi and I, I'm not there yet. So maybe yeah. I got to start off the minute. Exactly. Start off with a minute, just get comfortable, even if it's just sitting on your bed, but make sure that it's not going to, um, you know, impede you physically, right? So you're sitting in a position that doesn't feel comfortable. Now we're thinking about the discomfort versus being focused on our, our internal uh, world. So we really need to make sure that you are just comfortable. You create a very easy setting for yourself and start small because that will really start to build our confidence and really feel like we're going to be able to inch that much closer to five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes at some point. And the thing is, there really is no right or wrong here. I want to make sure that everyone understands that this is an individual practice. And so for us to get that thought out of our mind, am I doing this right? Because that's another distraction in the back of our head. Right. Do what you can for that day. I mean, it's like the cold plunge. You, know, you start off with a minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever. At least you're doing something. You know, you're you're working towards that practice, right? Mm -hmm. It's two I, minutes, I man. It. I, I've done a couple. I've done a minute or so plus, and it's been already pretty intense. I don't keep my water too 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 low. I keep my water at uh, 55 degrees, which isn't crazy. It's like the Pacific Ocean over here, and we go for four or five minutes. But, um, nice, dude. Hey. Adam, I always appreciate talking to you for, for people that are listening and athletes, people going back to the office, they want to maybe work with you. I know you're out of Austin, um, but I'm sure you obviously do remote coaching. You do team building, you do a bunch of different things is the best place to go. Just uh, mindsetbyadam.com. Is that, is that the best place to go? Yeah, definitely. So all my information is on my website, mindsetbyadam.com. And then in terms of Instagram, it's also the same handle at mindsetbyadam. Um, so those are great places just to kind of see what's going on and to be able to even connect with me um, through a direct message or you can shoot me an email as well. Sounds good. Well, we'll put those both in the um, podcast show notes. So anybody listening who's listening to Adam and is getting the impact that I, I feel I've received and others I know, make sure to check him out. He has definitely, definitely um, made, made a huge impact on a lot of people I know. So check out Mindset by Adam. Adam, I appreciate you so much. Got to have you back on talk about another subject another day but i love how you talked about how to activate physically mentally and emotionally i had never heard that before and thought about it through that lens and i appreciate it definitely thanks jason i really appreciate your time